I mean, the first step, right? The first step is how do I get to $3,000 a yeah. month of passive income? And then I'm like, I'm financially, financially yes. free. Right. And so then I, you hit that point and I'm like, okay, I got to 3000. Yeah. I'm like 24 years old. Wait, what, do I want to stop? No. Right. No. Well, so some like, people may, but yeah. Yeah. You may, and you may for a little bit. Right. I mean, yeah. this whole thing, like I, I've heard an analogy before and I like this analogy. It's all like climbing Mount Everest, right? Yeah. You climb that mountain, you're going to, you're going to stop for a few minutes and take a look at the views yeah. on the way up. Right. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. All right, everybody. I just finished a fire interview, no pun intended, um, with Craig. He is the author of The House Hacking. We, I mean, we talked about your background. We talked about why you moved from San Francisco to Denver, getting a job at Bigger Pockets, writing a best-selling book, um, which you all should read, especially if you're getting into real estate. We talked about the fire movement and financial independence. You gave us some of your funny stories like, you know, living behind a curtain, and and having some some mistakes that you've also made in the house hacking world, but but essentially house hacking is is brilliant, um, and it's just this idea of taking taking maybe one or two steps back, being able to get an asset that that will hopefully appreciate cash flow, um, do some remarkable things for you in the future, and you are a walking billboard and testimony of that. So, any 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 reasons why people need to take a moment and watch our interview and what they're going to gain? I mean, it's really the first big step towards financial independence is house hacking. So there's no better way to effectively and efficiently achieve financial independence at an early age than to house hack. So I love it. And if there's a better way, I'm all ears. I'm open to hear it, but I haven't heard it. And and it's interesting because I wish I would have read your book early on and I did a form of house hacking by living at home, starting on very frugal and starting the business. And, and I'm also doing a form of it. Um, but this concept will be a game changer. Greg, welcome to the Better Wealth Show. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a, uh, I know I've been looking forward to this for quite some time now. <laughs> me too. Me too. I, I feel like, um, I, when I, when I bring up your name or when I bring up your book, uh, anyone in the real estate world, if you've not read this book, you need to, uh, but the form of house hacking has been something very popular. And I think people very much buy into this this concept of house hacking. But I also think you cringe when you hear that word because I think so many people have have their own definition. So I could call this my version of house hacking. But what I would love to do is I would love to get your story. I would love to get some key concepts of house hacking. I would love to get the get the right people that want to look at real estate as an asset class for them to invest. The best way for them to move forward and actually apply your book because not everybody is going to read over 200 pages of well-written content <laughs> for sure man i mean that's uh i don't expect you to right so if you can listen to enough of my podcast and hear my voice for long enough maybe you can get something out of it um but yeah i mean i guess you know with my story i can say you know we can start with i graduated 2015 mm -hmm. uh went out to silicon valley and my dream was to be this venture capitalist investing in investing in these startups like facebook uber all you know all the rage after about six months of that, I just realized, man, this was not for me. I looked at my boss and where I was going and I was like, man, the best case scenario for me is I make more money and I move 30 feet down the hall into an yep. office. Yep. Like That's just not the life that I wanted to live when I thought of what I actually like to enjoy, which was spending time with great people, traveling, family and friends, and the stuff that you're going to remember when you're old, mm -hmm. right? And so 
being in Silicon Valley, I thought of startup idea after startup idea after startup idea to try to develop passive income. I, I, I learned about passive income through Tim Ferriss's four hour work yep. week book. Yep. And did you get a VA from India? I have a VA from the Philippines. <laughs> I love it. And uh, she's amazing. So shout out to Antonia. I love her. I, um, when I read that book for the first time I was in college and I'm like, I had this conversation. Is it ethical to have a virtual assistant from the Philippines write my papers? I actually had, I did, she did not write my papers, but she helped in college. And it, I'm telling you that book is, was one of the most impactful books I've ever read. So I'm glad that you gave him a shout out. I wish I knew that in college. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I read, I read that book and I was like, okay, I got to think of passive income. So startup ideas were like the only way to develop passive yep. income in my head at the time. And there were just so many dumb ideas. And then I realized, you know what? Like I don't need to be Mark Zuckerberg right. or Steve Jobs, right? Yep. I just need to be a pretty wealthy guy. And I want just passive income. And so I looked to real estate and I was like, man, this is the tried and true way. 90% of the world's millionaires have real estate. It's not yeah. super sexy, but it gets what I want done. So I basically indulged in real estate for the next six months on Bigger Pockets. Uh, was fortunate enough to land a job at Bigger Pockets like six to eight months later. Is that what moved you to Denver? Yep. Okay. That's what moved me to Denver. So then I moved to Denver, started working at Bigger Pockets. And within two months of working at Bigger Pockets and moving to Denver, I had closed on my first house hack. And you know, I, I've done one house hack a year since then. You know, we're three and a half years later. So I've done four house hacks now. Awesome. As well as picked up a handful of other other investment properties. And that's what's led me to financial independence and allows me to, you know, just take some bigger risks that other people may not be able to take. Yep. One of the things I'm really fascinated about is your upbringing. Are your parents entrepreneurs? If, if you can hear by his accent, he wasn't born in California. Um, so w talk to me a little bit about that upbringing. And, and then I'm going to challenge you on something. When you say you want to be wealthy, one of the things that we try to do is get people to be very clear on what that looked like. So what motivated you in California to be like, okay, I don't need to be a billionaire. What is your form of wealth and what does that look like? So start off your upbringing. How was that like? And, and yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So my upbringing, yeah, both, both of my parents are entrepreneurs. They start, they had a catering business, very blue collar, hardworking individuals, right? Like my, my dad would come home and I remember him saying he was working hundred hour weeks. Yeah. Like, and so I would, I would wake up and my dad was never there. Mm. He would, 4am mm. he'd go into work. And so I've always admired that and I admired that hard work he did. But at the end of the day, yeah. They never, what they did wrong was they never figured out a way to like remove themselves and place someone else so that they could actually grow and scale their business so they could relax. Yep. They just created jobs for themselves. And I learned that from much of reading, right? And so, yes, they're entrepreneurial in that fact. They're kind of going against the grain and, and I like that. And that's kind of where I got that entrepreneurialism for. Um, um, so then in California, what, what was your like goal for success? So you're, so they were a little bit entrepreneurial, but you definitely saw that your dad, you're like, he's working way too much. What, what was kind of the transition to getting you out to California? And then what, what was it to get you to Denver? Because you, you had this switch of, I want to be a billionaire. No, I don't. I want to be wealthy. What does that mean? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you know, after going to college, I had an internship out in California. I wanted to do something different than my parents because mm -hmm. I saw how hard they worked. Let's go. It would be kind of nice just to have like a, a traditional salary and you yeah. work 40 hours a week and you make a hundred grand. And that sounds really nice rather than busting my ass for a hundred grand. <laughs> and so that's what I went, but I just found out I was still busting my ass no matter what. Right. Uh, and so, so that got me out to California. I got an internship out in California, transitioned that to a full-time job, got that, was there for a couple of years. And that's when I was like, okay, this is just the same, same story, different yep. boss. Right. Yep. And then 
what I looked to be wealthy was like, okay, like how much do I need to live? Yeah. I looked at my expenses and I was like, I mean, I need realistically two to three thousand dollars a month to live. Okay. And this was in California. This is in California. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So I was paying like a thousand bucks a month in rent. Um, yep. I had a pretty cheap place and you know, my, my expenses were pretty low. I just graduated college. Yep. Um, now do I want to live on $3,000 a month for the rest of my life? Of course not. Listen, right? man, no judgment. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> yeah. Could I? Yes, Three grand yeah. doesn't get you far in California. It gets you not very far in Denver, but some, some places in the country, it gets you somewhere. Yeah, for sure. And it totally depends on where you are. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like where I think of like kind of wealth is I want to be able to do what I want, when I want, with yep. who I want, wherever I want, and just and just not have to worry about money. Yep. And I know that I'm pretty realistic with money. Like I'll never yep. be the guy going out and buying like a $300,000 statue, yep. right? Or like something ridiculous like that. And so, you know, what does that number look like to me? I don't know, $20,000 a month maybe yep. in passive income maybe more. I, but you know, it was interesting. So Tony Robbins did this, this talk one time that really like woke me up. He said, okay, he asked someone, all right, how much money do you want to make? And this guy was like, I want to make a million dollars. It's like, okay, what do you actually want to do? And they, and he, he took someone through this exercise and he's like, okay, you're, you're telling me a million dollars, but that's one of the most not thought through numbers because what you actually need is X to do. You don't need a private jet to like, you don't, you don't need five houses when we have this thing called Airbnb. You don't need, so he got this guy to just take a step back. And and what happens is when you have that number that's way too big, you just don't do anything. But but you can create an attainable goal. And, and when people can get that, game on. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the first step, right? The first step is how do I get to $3,000 a yeah. month in passive income? And then I'm like, I'm financially, financially yes. free, right? And so then I, you hit that point and I'm like, okay, I got to 3,000. I'm like 24 years old. Wait, what, do I want to stop? No. Right? No. Well, so some like, people may, but yeah. Yeah, you may. And you may for a little bit, right? I mean, yeah. this whole thing, like I, I've heard an analogy before and I like this analogy. It's all like climbing Mount Everest, right? Yeah. You climb that mountain, you're going to you're gonna stop for a few minutes and take a look at the views yeah. on the way up, right? $3,000 and that's a milestone. Yeah. Take yourself a vacation, right? And then you want to get to 10000 Yeah. And then it's like, pretty set probably with like a family. Yep. And then you want to get 20,000. Now you're living like a nice upper little middle class lifestyle. And by the time you get there, you might be 35. Yep. Right. And it's like, it's fun. Once you start getting this passive income, it's like fun to build yep. and it's fun to continue to grow it. So it's not like you're doing it because you need to, you're doing yep. it because you want to. I, I'm with you, man. I'm, I, this business is fun. There's, there's probably times that you go back and you're like, man, I could, I could be working, getting a check and not have to worry about these headaches. But when you really take a step back, if you if you take a step back on what you're doing and, and what we're up to, it, it's it's incredibly fulfilling. So, all right. So you moved to Denver. Uh, I'll, hopefully, a lot of my listeners know Bigger Pockets. I'm a big fan of that community, and the fact that you that the fact that you got in there has probably been the launching pad to your whole career. Absolutely, biggest inflection point. So I want people to realize, like, we just did an episode on are you in a cage or like who's in your circle. And it's like who you're around can make and break you. And so what is Bigger Pockets? What's their whole mission? What were you, what did you originally get in the door doing? And you actually left there. Mm -hmm. I left you. Um, yeah. So Bigger Pockets is a community of real estate investors. Um, they have basically their website is kind of like the Facebook of real estate. Yes. You can talk and communicate with people. There's forums where you can go and ask questions and they will get answered. There's, you can find agents on there, lenders, anyone in your community. They have an amazing podcast, some good books. Uh, <laughs> no, all of their books are actually really good. They're usually like 
pretty easy to read and pretty educational and just tons and tons of content. Like literally you don't need to purchase yeah. another, um, yeah. another real estate thing at all. And almost everything is free. It's almost super threatening to the people that are charging a lot of money for real estate courses. Exactly. That because was, you're given a network, a community and amazing education. That, that was Josh Dorkin. Um, that was his mission was to destroy the gurus charging twenty, thirty thousand dollars for these classes when all of that information can be is available for free on bigger pockets. Yeah. Um, and so that's what bigger pockets is. Uh, I was obsessed with them. I still am. And then I went, I mean, I somehow landed a job there, right? I went on their website, saw that they were looking for a finance person, yeah. thought I fulfilled those, what they were looking for, applied and tried to make myself stand out as much as I could. I guess I did. And I squeaked through the crack somehow <laughs> and got the position. Um, at once I got two bigger pockets, I was the finance guy there. Um, they called me the financial analyst and the finance director. Were you like the CFO? No, no, I, no. I mean, I was the only finance guy there for a while, but it's like, I don't know. It's a okay. startup. You know, okay. you know. Okay. Yeah. I, I know the feeling. Yeah. Yes. You got a finance guy and like, you know, I, I did the books and I, I did some projections and stuff like you, that. And you had a background that, or did you learn as you go? I had, I had no accounting background. I, did I, they I, know that? Um. Or did you were like, know. you were like on the way to bigger pockets. You were like reading up on like, you know, account, accounting, accounting, one one. Yeah. accounting for dummies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I think they did know that I didn't have an accounting background, but what they saw was that I had a finance background and I worked with startups that were, that were selling to large companies. So I knew what to look for in financials and I could read financials. Uh, and then creating them is, is kind of a little bit easier yep. than reading them. Yeah. And, uh, however, I did not do a great job at creating their financials. We can say, say that I, I did a good enough job where they could see the, where the business was going, but it yeah. certainly wasn't to gap yeah. standards. Um, so yeah, I was doing the finances at bigger pockets and that makes me a traditional employee at bigger pockets and bigger pockets has a whole bunch of those, right? But there's only a few that have actually kind of like gone above and beyond. Yeah. And so I went to my mentor who at the time was Scott and my boss, Scott Trench, he's a CEO now. And he was like, Hey, what you need to do is you need to start writing for the blog. So I started writing for the blog. It's good for you. And so, and, and, and this is outside of work hours. Okay. Right. So this is outside of work hours. What, how old are you at the time? 24. Tw 24 years old. Have you started your first house hack? No. Okay. So you're so writing I, like hypotheticals at this point. So I, my first article ever written was how I amassed $100,000 while living in San Francisco. Wow, that's right. actually, I want to read that. Yeah, so that, that was the first article I've ever written. It wasn't about real estate, just about personal finance. So okay. my first few were just about real estate, personal finance, cool. that kind of stuff. Not, not real estate, just personal finance. Yep. Then I bought my first house hack like two months later. So cool. I quickly had something to talk about. Yeah, cool. And so I would basically, I, I released a new blog post about every other week. Good for you, man. For probably like two, two plus years. Wow. So I've gotten like 60 or so blog posts out there. And after you've written 60 or so blog, blog posts, a handful have gotten quite a bit of like good yep. feedback. Like, oh, okay, you can write and you know something. Here's an opportunity to write a book. Did they come to you? And they're like, hey, you're like into this house hacking thing. So originally, um, Brandon Turner, who's like the face of Bigger Pockets, yep. was going to write it, but he was too busy and really not interested in house hacking anymore. He kind of just graduated from that. Scott was then going to write it. But then Scott was like growing bigger pockets. So like I was not the first one on the list, right? <laughs> you and were not the one, number one and number two person on the list. No, I was I was the number three person on okay, the list, cool. right? And then so then they said, "Oh, hey, Craig, 
you've done a few house hacks. Do you want to write a house hacking book? And I was like, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> right. And so there's definitely like, man, you didn't even ask me the first time. Yeah. You have to like, you have to check your pride aside. Totally. Right? It's like when, when an opportunity strikes, you just take it. Totally. Right. And um, I'm not sure if your your folks are a football fan, but you know, I'm from New England. I'm a big Patriots fan. And so you, uh, it's a rough year for you it's guys. It's a rough but, year for us. You guys so. have had a great, great 20. Yeah, yeah. Great 20 years. But, you know, the whole story with Tom Brady, if you guys don't know, is he was a third string backup and he used being a third string backup. He had one opportunity to succeed. The rest is history, right? He's got six Super Bowls later. Like you got to take the one opportunity you get and you got to run with it and you got to yeah. be ready for that opportunity. So what I want to do now is I want to fast forward. You're writing house, the, the house hacking book. Okay. And this whole concept, I want you to define what that is. I want you to like talk about the process of writing this. Um, I always I always tell people that I now know like my second book could be how not to write a book. But you've obviously had an amazing organization and people to help coach you, and it's a very well put together book. So what I want to do is like want to walk through like what is it, and then how can we get the nuggets and and big ideas. And I know that you have some personal funny stories of. Uh, house hacking yourself. Mm -hmm. So I just, I want, I want that because there's a lot of people in what we're teaching. There's a lot of people that are on their first house. There are a lot of people that want to do real estate. And I just find that like, it's one thing to do a syndication deal. It's another thing to actually, you know, be in the trenches and do this. And it's like, yeah, they're both real estate, but they're different. So I want to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, so, so writing the book, right? The first thing and the most important thing when writing a book is the outline. Yeah. Like you should spend 75% of your time on the outline. And let the outline be like 40 pages. Just yeah. like get your stuff out there, know where you want to put it, copy and paste it, put it in the right order. And then once the outline is there, you're just filling in the blanks yeah. with actually text that makes sense. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, most of that time is on the outline. And then when it comes to writing, what I would do is I just said, hey, I'm going to write a thousand words a day every day. And after, you know, three or four months, I'll have 100,000 words. That's a 250 page book. That's right. right? And that's really all it is. It's simple math and just simple, just taking an hour to an hour and a half a day of just dedicated time to writing. And before you know it, you have a book. So what what was the outline of house hacking? And, and for those that are watching, for those that are listening, what, what, what was the outline as it relates to how do you explain this? What was the goal behind the book um, in, in this whole concept? Yeah, so the goal behind the book is to be able to take you from knowing absolutely nothing about house hacking to understanding why you should do it, to being able to go in and actually find your property, find the strategy, find the property that will adhere to your strategy, how to analyze it, how to fill the place so it actually you know, works for you and you can potentially live for free, and, and then show how you can do it again and again and again. So that way you can use this strategy and over the course of you know, five to 10 years, hit financial independence and yep. live your life. Let's 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 dive into that. So you talked about financial independence. You talked about living for free. You talked about what is house hacking. You talked about the strategies to get started. I'm get excited about this kind of stuff. So 101, house hacking 101. What what is house hacking? Yeah. So house hacking is the idea that you buy a one to four unit property with a low percentage down, typically zero to five percent down. You live in one part of it. If it's a single family house, you live in a bedroom. If it's a two to four unit, you live in one of the units and you rent out all the other parts, Love other it. bedrooms or units. That rent covers your mortgage. You live for free. Love it. And that's it in 30, 15 seconds. So, so you need to be humble because someone might not want to have other people live with them, but it's essentially acquiring a real estate, which real estate's amazing because 
it hopefully appreciates. It could cash flow. You could use leverage to acquire it. It has special tax advantages. So you're able to get an amazing asset potentially without any money out of pocket. Very little money out okay. of pocket. Yeah. Technically, you could, you know, we're getting into right. semantics, but yeah, yeah, very little amount. Okay. So strategies as it relates to that, because your business, like you're in the business of helping people with this. Mm -hmm. um, I, as I'm, as I'm becoming friends with you, I'm like, okay, where are areas? Like it's just, I'm really appreciate you and what you're doing because it just opens my eyes to looking at, I, I never look at a house the same. It's like, okay, what are the house hacking opportunity there? What what are some of your favorite stories personally and, and some of the favorite stories that you, you got through this community of people that did house hacking? Obviously, we can go to the extremes, but I see this as a really um, no-brainer for someone that's getting started that wants to get into real estate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is just the best way to get started in real estate. And it's, I think, one of the best ways to build wealth at a relatively low risk. Yeah. Um, and the returns you get are just so tremendous as well. It's, you know, typically upwards of 80 to 100% plus in the first year. Because you're, you're, you need to live somewhere yep. and you're accounting for that. And depending on what markets are, I mean, you could spend a thousand to sometimes more than a thousand dollars just as at a place to live. Mm -hmm. So right there, you're saving $12,000 right up front. Yep. Not to mention the appreciation, the loan pay down, all those other things that go yep. for you. And not only that, but you're also becoming a landlord and you're learning how to manage yep. a property. Yep. And when you live there, it's a little bit easier because you don't have to go across town to your rental, yep. right? It's you, you go home and, and you see something break immediately. You can fix it. It's just a nice, it's a nice transition into actually being a true real estate investor. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Biggest mistakes that you've made as it relates to this strategy. Biggest mistake I made was on my third one, I was getting a little confident. My first two went really well. Uh, confidence will kill you. And I guess confidence that will kill you is usually termed cockiness. And I I had, I had, was doing construction in the basement, rehabbing the basement, and I just wanted to get the rooms rented because I wasn't doing anything in the rooms. And I was like, hey, you guys can live in the rooms. There's going to be construction, but I'll give you a super cheap price. So I did. It was month to month. You know, what harm could happen? So I didn't do a background check, didn't do a credit check, just let it happen. And within a week of me being there, people were smoking meth in the basement. No way. Yep. And you were kind of like, how did this happen? I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, I mean, luckily, I, you know, I got the roommates out of the house upstairs and told them the situation. I was like, hey, I want you guys to feel safe. I've called the police, all of that. The police actually didn't do anything, believe it or not. Mm. Um, mm. And so I kind of took matters in my own hands and just, I texted them and said, Hey guys, uh, you know, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have had you guys live down here. This is a construction zone. You guys need to be out of here. Um, within the week, I will give you your full security deposit back. All of the rent you paid me plus $500 to get out in the next week. Needless to say, they all got out and gave them, you know, it was a thousand dollar expense, but that was the best thousand. Well, the best thousand dollars I've ever spent, right? Because yeah. the last thing I wanted was them to destroy the house and yep. they left on good terms. So they weren't going to bring them and their, or their friends back here. Yep. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to bite that bullet. Wow. Wow. That's, that was, that was an extreme. Yeah. <laughs> any, any good memories in house hacking? <laughs> <laughs> best decision you've ever made in house hacking. <laughs> Honestly, the best decision is just, is just doing it. Yeah. Starting. Um, it's just starting. I mean, my first property uh, bought it in an up-and-coming area. It was a little scary at the time, but it, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be appreciating. But at the end of the day, I did get lucky. Totally new build. It was a duplex. 
Uh, I mean, that thing was appreciated over 200 grand in three years, right? So or did you refinance? I just refinanced like two months ago. And it yep. gets really real when you start pulling out six figures of dollars. From yeah. Well, I actually didn't pull out any money. So I okay. used, I did that with an FHA loan. Okay. And so then I transferred that to a, which is three and a half percent down. I transitioned it to a 25% down investor loan so I could take okay. out the PMI, reduce my monthly payment. Uh, and now that thing cash flows like, you know, over a thousand dollars a month. It, it, so. But that's, that's amazing because that's an asset that, that, that when we talk about leverage, you are that you are using leverage to acquire an assets that are doing amazing things for you, mm -hmm. getting you closer to your um, financial independence number. Um, I want to before before we finish on the house hacking idea, any other strategies like if you're you're at home, obviously get his book. OK, get 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 his book. Let's support let's support you. Um, what other things are like big in, in strategies that are like if you're not going to read your book? What things do you want the listener or the person watching to know? Is there any like go-to strategy that you go like, this doesn't work all the time, but it's pretty solid. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, obviously there, there's house hacking is going to work almost every time. And, and a lot of pushback that I hear is that, oh, I've got a family and, and I can't do that because yep. I can't live with other people. So you'll see in the book that we have this, we have this thing called the, the comfort continuum. And, and on one side of that continuum is comfort. On the other side is profit. As you move towards profit, you sacrifice comfort. And as yeah, you move towards comfort, you sacrifice profit. That's wisdom. I always explain to people, especially first-time investors, that I encourage you to push up on that profit side of the continuum as, as much as you can. And as you get your first, second, and third one, you can slowly move towards comfort until you no longer need to house hack. Because let's be real, no one wants to house hack forever. So it is for everybody. Now, you have a family. So you probably don't want to live in a bedroom with a bunch of other people you don't right. know. But what you can do is you can do what we call a luxury house hack, which is on that comfort side, but you buy the house of your dreams, mm. right? The floor to ceiling windows, the granite yeah. countertops, the works, right? And you have an ADU in the back, additional dwelling unit in the back, and you rent that out on Airbnb yeah. or you rent it out traditionally. And maybe your two or $3,000 a month loan payment becomes one or $2,000 yeah. a month. You're still saving $1,000 a month. That's still huge and that's still yeah. material savings. And so there's really so many ways you can do it and it's like if you're working a w2 job and you're not happy in your w2 job and you want to like find a way to build wealth i just don't see why you wouldn't do something like this right it's it's a way to think outside the box one of the one of the things that we teach is ror is return on result get super clear on what you actually want and then let's put your time let's put your money let's put all the resources that we have and make that possible one of the things that i love about house hacking is it is it makes us take a step back and if we know where we want to go, it can be the the one efficiency hack that could help us get there by getting us to connect with people, by getting us an asset that might have crazy appreciation. And it just gets us to think differently. And it's and we might look and we might just assume that our mortgage payment or our rent is what what it is. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, if you can take a step back and understand what Craig is talking about here and this idea of house hacking, um, whether it's luxury, because um, I we have friends and clients who have a nice house, they just rent out part of their land and have trailers, Airbnb. That's a form of house hacking. But then there's also my sister is in a triplex and has two other you know renters, and they're doing exactly what you're saying. And I'm seeing firsthand on how it's setting them up for success. And so it's just it's just very very incredible. And and again, I would highly encourage you to get his book and to really understand the philosophy because I've I've applied this in a unique way. It's I mean you're you're here in my house hack. It's it's not necessarily what you it's not the traditional way to do it, but like we 
and I actually, I didn't even tell you this, but like the concept is have hubs around the country where people can work, people can stay, we can use it as a business. So instead of um, buying or renting, you know, real estate or offices, why not, why don't get, why don't we have real estate that we can stay in, that we can host in, that we can work remotely from. And it's a way to take money that majority of business owners are paying already and to have a have a place where they, that not not only that you can stay but you can also work out of. So that's a I think that's going to also be m more and more popular as as this year is continuing to tumble along. Yeah, no, I think I mean I think what you're doing here is extremely creative and, and pretty sweet. I mean, it is absolutely a form of house hacking, right? It's not like the traditional form that and I, yeah. that you would read in the book, but it's kind of like a unique spin on it where it's like is your house providing financial value to you? Yes. And and then if so, then yes. And more so than just like, like if you're paying your mortgage every month and it's, it's just so happens to be appreciating, no, right? But if it's actually, if the if the monthly payment that you're paying is giving you a return, yeah, then it's worth it. So let's talk about the financial independence movement, the FIRE movement. Um, and I know that you are very much branded in that category. Mm -hmm. um, what do you, what do you like about it? Um, what do you see as potential downfalls and how did you get into that that idea? Yeah. So what I like about the financial independence movement is everyone seems extremely genuine, yes. right? It's a very much an abundance mindset. Everyone is trying to help everybody out yeah. and, and money is never, ever first, right? It's like, we want to go do this cool thing. Like we went for a bike ride across Iowa. Like that was really fun. That's cool. You know, we went to Greece for a week, really fun. So it's like as much, and, and we can all get together and talk about this taboo thing called money. Yes. And I, we can, I know no one talks about money. Yeah. No one talks about it. <laughs> but like, you know, come to these groups, man. And, and you're just like, yeah, my net worth is this. My passive income is this. This is how cool. I got there. And it's like, if you feel comfortable sharing it, people are willing to listen and you're not going to be judged based yeah. on any of those things. That's cool. So that part is really cool. Uh, downside to it is it is a little bit cultish. And so I have found that like people within the community tend to judge people outside the community hmm. that are like, man, why is this person buying this beautiful BMW? Yeah. Like, why is this person like working the CEO job and and have this million dollar penthouse when they don't need it? Yeah. Right. Like they could retire right now. Yeah. And you have to like, I was like that for about a year yeah. or two. And I was like, wait a second. Like as long as you're happy and you enjoy your right. doing and you're kind of intentional about it, I don't care. Yeah, totally. You know? What I love about the, uh, the fire movement is, is number one, people are very into what's actually important. I think minimalism is is something that is only going to grow because when you when you look at all the crap that we have and then you look at like what actually makes me happy it's usually people it's usually the ability to serve it's not all the things that we fill our houses with so that's that's number one that i love i love the aggressive savings mm -hmm. i mean and there there are people that are saving more than 50 percent of their income that's yeah. that's probably pretty common I, i'd say 50 percent is like average in that actually maybe even below average in that community so Def by default, you're just living on way below your means and it's setting you up to do some incredible things. And and this concept of retiring early is is awesome. Um, I love that. And and I just I love the mindset. Um, I see it, it's it's interesting to me to hear some of the financial strategies, the income strategies. One of one of the big questions is a lot of the people that are doing all index funds. The question that I have is how is the index going to last like how is that going to perform over your lifetime it's i've had people like wade, dr wade follow on uh, my my podcast and others who are talking about um their potential 
challenge with people retiring early and seeing, depending on different asset classes, some asset classes might not perform as well as others. I will say real estate is a pretty good asset class as it relates to cash flow. Um, when, when in your group, what are, what are the common investments that people are holding? Is it real estate? Is it index funds? Is it, what, what is the, what is the mix? In the, in the five community, I would say it's, it's mostly index funds with like a pinch of real estate. Okay. People have one, two, couple properties, maybe obviously in the real estate community, it's mostly all real estate and, and no index funds. Yeah. And you know, some people argue it's it's healthy to have a mixture of the two to diversify. Others say, no, put your all in eggs in one basket and get really good at that one thing. I will say the house hacking, the house, not the house, just the, the real estate investing in general returns are going to be much higher yep. because you have more than just like the appreciation. Yep. You have right? more levers that you can be pulling. Right. Yep. And, um, you know, but it is a little bit more work. It's a little bit more of a job, you yep. know, than just yep. like putting your money in an index fund and, and rebalancing it every quarter. Yeah. 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 There's. There's a lot. There's a lot there. So, any any final words on bigger pockets, on your book, on the fire movement, and, and encouragement? I mean, there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands, of people that watch this, and I know that um, you're going to have some fans. I've already had some people that are like, "When you do your interview, send it to me," because I'm a huge fan of house hacking. Um, what 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 kind of final message do you have for my audience and for people that really want to live intentionally? They really see themselves as their greatest asset. They really want to use their one life well, and having people like you share these kind of messages open up our mind to really figuring out if is there a better way to handle my money yeah so if you're ready to embark on this journey you have to realize that you're going to be different yes and you're going to be different at all aspects of this so you know if you're comparing yourself to your peers you need to stop if you're taking advice from your parents unless your parents are where you want to be you need to stop and really just listen to the people that are already ahead of you. And so what I found was that year one, you could be making a good salary, but you're going to live like a poor man, right? I was living behind a curtain, right? People were like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You're so weird, blah, 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 right? Year two, you buy a second house. How many people do you know that can buy two houses in a year or less? Probably not that many, right? And then year three, you got three houses, year four. So now you're able to, by the time you get your fourth, fifth house, you're now investing hundreds of thousands of dollars into other properties or into other things. You've quit your job. You're make, doing a startup and, and maybe you're only 24, 25 years old, right? Like you're different than everybody else. And so you have to get used to and be ready to be different. And that's actually the most exciting part to me. I like being different. I'm sure Caleb, you do too. And really just embrace that. So you you drop the living behind the curtain at the end of the interview. What's the story there? <laughs> oh, did you not know that? No, I didn't oh, know that. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean, so my first house hack, I was like so determined to have financial independence early that I bought that duplex and it was a one bed, one bath, upstairs, downstairs. And so if I rented out the upstairs, it wouldn't quite cover my mortgage. It was like my mortgage was two thousand and I was getting seventeen fifty for the top. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'll have to Airbnb out my bedroom to cover the rest. So I Airbnb'd out my bedroom, set up like a, a room divider and a curtain in the living room. And I lived behind there on a futon for the first year while I rented out my, I had a revolving door of roommates renting out my bedroom on Airbnb and myself at the top. And that was like, you know, definitely a little hardcore, but I mean, it set a really good foundation for where I am now. And and I just want to echo what, what, what you're saying. I, it, I started off staying, living with my family when we started Better Wealth. And our office was less than $300 a month in the basement of Papa John's. I, I like 
I it's I get kind of emotional thinking about the team and where we've gone from there. But it's those sacrifices that gave us the foundation to do do what we're doing. And I am a nerd, and I would love to see like what is the compound dollar effect of that decision. I I bet I bet it's pretty massive when we look at net worth and when we look at cash flow. And yeah, man. And intangibles. In yes. Right, because that's like the story, right? Like. Also, when you're different, you have a story that people yeah. like and it's unique and you can and write a book on it and you yeah. can write yeah. blog posts on it and you can have a podcast, right? It's yeah. you have to do something a little weird and a little different in order for people to like you. Yeah. How can how can people find out more about your company, contact you? I know that you're doing some really cool things behind the scenes as it relates to helping investors who are interested in house hacking. Like you guys are able to serve people in a powerful way. Talk to me about how people can contact you and be in your world. Yeah, so we have, you know, I'm a real estate you know, realtor, a real estate agent, and we help people achieve yeah. financial independence through real estate investing. Simple as that, we got them through the whole process. And so we're called the FI team, the financial independence team. Love uh, we're, right now we're just in Denver, but we will be you know, expanding soon enough. And yeah, you can reach me at thefiteam.com. If you want my personal stuff, it's I'm, I'm at the FI guy on Instagram and on TikTok. Oh my goodness. And, uh, yeah, I can only TikTok game, man. It's pretty fun. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so you know, looking forward to reach like we're looking forward to chatting with you guys. And yeah, and, and depending on when you're watching this, I, I'm I'm calling this out right now. They they're gonna grow faster than than you expect. And so watch out. I'm I'm just telling you right now, people will be house hacking and working with you all across the country. I just see it in in your team and what you guys are doing. And so um uh, thank you so much for coming on to my show. The, the question I end on my podcast is what I call the legacy question. Legacy question essentially goes like this. You're with the people that you love the most. It's your last day on earth. You have one last conversation. What, what kind of conversation are you going to have? What are you going to make sure to pass down in that last conversation, knowing that you can't pass on anything tangible? Um, what, what, kind of, what kind of conversation is that going to look like? That's really good. I think, you know, definitely will express the amount of gratitude I feel for those people that are around me at that time because there's really no, you know, I mean, really, they're really just there for me, right? So definitely tell them how much I appreciate them in terms of like any last minute advice or something. You know, it's just getting out of your comfort zone, being different, yeah. living differently, all that kind of, you know, suppose it's cliche. Uh, one thing I heard recently that really struck out, stuck out to me was... I asked somebody what their why was and they said they had trouble answering it, but they came to a really awesome answer. It was, I want, when someone meets me, I want to be the inflection point in their life. Wow. That makes that go from like, you know, maybe just slightly up to like crazy up. And I wanted to say like, Hey, when I, when they met me, that's when my life changed. And I think that's a good thing to strive for. Do you know, how many people have used your book to actually better their life? Like, is there any way to track? Cause that's my one downfall in like marketing books and stuff. It's hard to tell. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there's probably 20,000 or so people that have purchased the book. Wow. I don't know how many people have actually read the book. It, it, um, it's cool, man, because that reflection point. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that inspires me. And that's very much without articulating it. Like that's something that gets me up every day. It's like if I could help one person think differently, live more intentionally, think about the ripple effect that that's going to have. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the work that you're doing. 
And I think this concept of house hacking is, I think someone's going to write about business hacking. I think people are going to write different concepts on this because it's essentially taking a, a humble pill, you know, maybe taking two, two steps back so that you can take five steps forward. And um, you're a very good example of someone who was in San Francisco at a job that maybe some people would love, but you, you, you really saw the end in mind. You're like, there's no future here to in a very, very few years, have a real estate portfolio, have a book, have a company. Um, it's very, it's very inspiring. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.